This week, Kelly and I talk about music, rhythm, and public speaking. Find out how NPR's Tiny Desk Concert opened a rabbit hole and how our teenagers expanded our repertoire into rap. Let's jump into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ongoing Mastery, presenting and speaking the podcast and episode number, oh my God, 51. Yay. Go us. All right. So, Kelly, what are we talking about today? Well, today we are talking about music and rhythm and flow and what that has to do with public speaking. Fantastic. So, as many of you know, I have a 16 year old who is like many. 16 year old, not the most chatty human. So I take any opportunity to talk with this kid because I'm like, you're talking to me. Yes. Oh my God. And at one point he brought up, Hey, you know, here's this rapper that I think you might be interested in. And he brought up something that, you know, if you look at it on a paper, it seems like a perfect Kirsten thing. And so Kelly, were you surprised when I told you that Brendan recommended an NPR tiny desk concert? Yes. If only because I wouldn't think that NPR would have something in a rap adjacent, rap focused Tiny Desk concert, which means eh, I'm out of the loop and Tiny Desk concert is more in the loop than I am. And so this is JID and I was watching it and here's the problem. I love music, but there's certain types of music I have trouble connecting with because I don't know the patterns and I don't know what to expect, so I feel dumb. And one of those is freeform improvisational jazz. So this concert was freeform improv jazz, backing up a very fast, very proficient rapper. And yeah. because of that, I I couldn't get it. And I felt frustrated. So then Brendan started showing me shorts and showing me some other people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, some of those I can start to get it. And then I, because Hamilton is wonderful, I showed him some bits of Hamilton. And he was kind of like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so we're working on it. But what is your, when you discovered Hamilton, what was that like for you? Well, I discovered Hamilton through my teenager a few years ago. I've never really been a musical theater person. It turns out I'm not a specific type of musical theater person. I love certain kinds of musical theater, but I don't really do the Rodgers and Hammerstein style. But it was musical theater, and I thought I didn't like musical theater. And so her interest was just her interest. But she received a CD for her birthday, to see the original cast recording. And the only place to play it is in my car. So then I started listening to it. And when I first heard about the show, mm-hmm. I was like, huh. American history and rap, what a gimmick. Oh my God, I roll. I was wrong. I was very wrong. I was very, very wrong. It's amazing. And listening to it in the car, in the bubble, right? In the acoustic bubble of a car really amplified how fast and how clever the lyrics are instead of also trying to watch the performance, which Mm -hmm. we have done. It's amazing. But yeah, I was, well, blown away. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I mean the show itself, the staging, oh, mm-hmm. chef's kiss, just amazing. The acting obviously brilliant, but I, you know, middle-aged white chick from Connecticut, 
I did not happen to, my circle did not happen to have rap in it. I was mostly surrounded by other ghostly people that were not, you know, basically that wasn't their musical style. And a lot of my friends are, but they recognize that it's not something that I have easily connected to. So they didn't, you know, it's like you don't share with your friends things that your friends find frustrating. Once I discovered Hamilton, I was like, oh, now I'm beginning to understand. And then I started to learn that it's not just a history of the US, it's also a history of rap lesson. Yeah. And that he mixes in all these callbacks to all these famous instrumental culture figures in the evolution of both rap and hip hop and sound that this particular style that has so many branches and so many, you know, so many pieces to it, I could start to see the shape of it. And that was really neat. I still can't I totally respect JID's work. I still am not to where I can follow it, but I started going down the rabbit hole and I found a rapper that responds to things and I found a rapper that responded to Hamilton. Yeah. Knox Hill. Mm-hmm. And Knox Hill is he's a very charismatic, telegetic, you know, very smart guy who's an excellent excellent performer, excellent rapper, and his response to Hamilton was wonderful. His response to Encanto is a thing of beauty that everyone should go see. Okay. It's really wonderful. His response is, is fantastic. But what I loved about it is I love the response videos. That's one mm-hmm. of my things. I'm going to toss some dog treats because Angel is whining and she's helping us again with our podcast. Thank Hi, you, dog. Angel. There you go. But he would stop And not only did he not need to know the lyrics in advance, because his ear is tuned enough that he can pick them up instantly, even when they're very, very fast. He even teased the audience because people were saying, you'd need the lyrics. And he's like, what do you mean I need the lyrics? Really? Yeah. But he then was like, okay, this is a double. This is this. This is a callback to this. This is what Mm -hmm. this. And I was starting to see the structure of it. I was going. And I loved his reaction to David Dick's Guns and Ships. I'm not sure exactly what the record is, but it holds a Broadway record for most words wrapped in a minute. It's some ridiculously high number. Mm-hmm. And he's articulating every word. It's not just a rush of mumble of sound. Yeah. If you slow it down, you can hear what every single word is. And once you know all the words, put it back to regular pace. It's impressive beyond impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And-, and this is... Yo, go ahead. I was going to say, this is where I have to bring in my favorite 19th century poet, Lord Byron, because every time I hear Hamilton, I think of Byron's wordplay. And this is from one of his most famous poems, Don Juan. Yes, Don Juan, not Juan. It's purposeful in the rhyme scheme. And he says, Oh, ye lords of ladies intellectual, inform us truly, have they not henpecked you all? And so he rhymes intellectual and henpecked you all. And it remains one of my favorite little things that's clever and it catches your ear and that it really makes you think because mm-hmm. you're spending time trying to figure out, wait, did he really just say that? Yes. Yep. Brilliant. <laughs> very, very good. So I'm just going to bring up because I want to make sure. All right. So the rabbit hole of Kirsten discovering rap and discovering hip hop also brought me to the. MIT Crash Course 
rap and hip hop, the structure and the, the history. So Lupe Fiasco. Yes. So Lupe Fiasco's rap, oh, there it is, rap theory and practice and introduction. I, I came across this. I showed this to Brendan and Brendan, you know, it didn't really read for him, but he's like, okay, well, you know, Lupe Fiasco's great. I'm not sure why you're watching a guy talk about what his class is going to be, but sure. But I loved how I loved his energy. I loved his presence, his teaching style, all of it. And that he was like, this class, you will be rapping and I will fail you if you don't. And I was like, yes, that's it. Own that room, buddy. Yes. But it was lovely. And then I started watching other stuff. And again, I'm starting to see the the universe of it. Fantastic. And that brought me down the rabbit hole to rap and hip hop, crash course in Black American history on YouTube. And oh my, I just like, there's so much to learn and there's so much to explore. It's amazing. What does this have to do with public speaking, Kelly? Why is this also tied to our work? A couple of different ways. One has to do with the way language sounds, right? And rap is inherently, all music is inherently about rhythm. Rap places a special priority on flow. And that's why when a piece of writing, you're not sure how it sounds, you're not sure if it's working. If you read a piece of writing out loud, you'll be able to hear whether or not it's good where something's not working, where it needs a bit of polish, right? That poetry of language applies to all language, music or speaking. But the other, I think, is illustrated by what you just said, ongoing mastery, Mm -hmm. right? You did not grow up with rap. I did not grow up with rap. I came to rap reluctantly. I grew up in Dorchester. Rap was scary to me. It was about the experience that I wasn't having and I couldn't relate to it, but I could react to the violence in it, especially early 80s rap and the East Coast, West Coast. I didn't care for the misogyny. I couldn't get past some of those things to hear the artistry. And that's on me. That is on me. But the ongoing mastery quality of always learning, looking for new experiences, following those rabbit holes, is important for public speaking too. Very much. You know, you and I, I mean, this is basically, we're preaching to the choir, talking to each other about this, but for the audience, (laughs) it frustrates both Kelly and I when we encounter speakers, and it's rare, luckily, in our circle, but we encounter speakers who are done. You know, they're, they're done with their craft. Like they've mastered their thing, they have their thing, they do it, but they're not branching, they're not breathing, they're not expressing. And in our circle, we tend to pull in people who believe the way we do. So we're more likely to be connected to people who engage in ongoing mastery. But I I find the whole, well, I've already, you know, my favorite thing is actually Tim David, who's an excellent speaker. His quote is, the day you stop working on your keynote is the day it starts to die. Mm. And it's true. It's, you're never done the thing that this ties back to for me is, and I've used I've used this example in previous podcasts. So the dance troupe that I was part of had a male that was part of it. And I have to be very careful when I say that because at one point someone was frustrating enough and thought she was being cute that before we went on stage, she said, oh, well, this is Desert Moon Dancers and they're the only troupe that has a male member. And Tony turned bright, I mean, he turned bright red. And he almost refused to go on stage. Oh, he went, 
he went he went to magenta like and he to this day is still like we still give her the side eye for that and that was you know almost 20 years ago just one of those things that's like "Mm, no not funny but Mm -hmm. his performance was different in that he's learning egyptian stick dance for the male form we're learning it for the female form he's studying with yosari sharif and and so on and working on things and he got a choreography that he was working on with yosari and had been doing it for about 10 years and we did a show in northampton or somewhere and you know we did our bit and then tony comes out and he does his bit we go off stage and it was yes it was one of those moments of all right that was it and tony goes yeah okay i think i'm going to start retiring that done that a lot. I'm going to retire it. And all of us in unison went, no, it's just starting to get good. And he went, (laughs) what? We're like, no, no, you can't, you're starting to move, like you're going to a new level with it. Like you can't stop because there is subtlety in it because Tony is, as you know, is a phenomenally intelligent, gifted man. He's a wonderful human being, nuclear engineer by day, Middle Eastern dancer by night. But (laughs) Walking like he is a walking phallus is not in his nature. And one of the things about our art form is there comes a part at which he needs to walk out on stage with the Asa held strong, and he needs to be basically walking like, I am going to have all of you when I choose. And it will be, you know, like he has to have that almost toxic, not fully toxic, but almost toxic, like strength of swagger. And that's not, you know, like he's a very, that's, Tony's a guy guy, but he's not a, that guy. So he had to really work on that level of almost condescension, which he found uncomfortable, but added a flavor to his performance, especially when he moves out of it into his normal open-hearted, come join me Mm -hmm. on this celebration. And it really, it brings you in because there's a little part of you that, and I know I'm going down a rabbit hole, so I, I will try to stop. There's a choreographer named Mariana Parra who we were learning flamenco for. And he was about mid-70s when I took a class with him. And when he walked in the room, I literally fell back because <laughs> he walked in the room and by nature, like he's just walking, he moved like a tiger. Mm-hmm. And his balance and his grace and everything, but he was so fluid and he was so present that it was a, that even walking into the room, I was like, oh, whoa. Yeah. We're going to learn something today. And that's kind of what's happening to me with this music is I'm mm-hmm. noticing, like, I also had trouble with the misogyny. I also had trouble with the violence of it. But I understand that a lot of that comes from the pain of can't you see what's happening? Can't you yeah. see what's happening to us? you know, yeah. what we're experiencing, what we're going through. And so I I now can be kind of, you know, present with that and recognize it's like, that's not my experience, but I I can see that that's where your, your history is and where you're coming from and have complete respect for that. Mm-hmm. I still find, you know, some of it doesn't read for me, but that's because the diversity of it is broad. Angel, you are so helpful. Thank you, dog. So what would you want the takeaway to be from this episode for people? Because we're kind of just talking about music theory, music history, all of that. What lesson would you like for people to lean into? I really think leaning into the musicality and the poetry of language, not 
putting on highfalutin words because they sound highfalutin, but tuning your ear, practicing listening for phrases that sound lovely together. It's a reason why alliteration sounds so nice. Consonation, when words start with the same letter or have the same dominant vowel sound, right? There's a reason why when a phrase is really great as you sat back with that flamenco instructor. I would encourage people to, if they're not already, be actively tuning their ear mm. for rhythm and flow and poetry. Awesome. awesome. How about you? So mine is going to be, don't be afraid of the speed. Because that was my, that was what held me back from learning this music was because mm -hmm. I couldn't, I felt stupid because I couldn't easily understand what was being said. I pulled back from it because I was like, well, I, I feel dumb. I feel excluded. Mm -hmm. And to just go ahead and be, you know, lean into that. Yeah. You know, look up, look up the words, stop, rewind, play it again, and kind of understand you know, I'm not somebody that I can't do that level of syncopation. I can't do that speed. But am I going to practice? Oh, hell yes. Because my fluidity could only improve yeah. if I'm able to reach, achieve that level. So that's something I'm going to, I'm going to add in. And I, I would like you all to sympathize with my teenager if he ever listens to his 54 year old mother rapping so yeah. <laughs> even eminem has to practice and had to practice before he got decent much mm -hmm. less great yes and there's a link that we'll put in the show notes in which yeah. he really talks about the importance of practice and it's like thank you thank you so much yes everybody <laughs> has to practice once you stop practicing your craft starts to die i know we yeah. say that a lot but honestly i think we should make some t-shirts <laughs> you know, it's like maybe coffee mugs and kind of put it out there in the world. But that's what today is. So in the comments, what are your thoughts? What's your experience? What's your history with it? What's your favorite artist? Let us know. Videos you want us to watch. Give us some links. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. If you enjoyed this conversation about how music, language, and voice work together, check out Season 3, Episode number 32, Can AI Replace the Human Voice? Our interview with Liz Solar. The link is in the show notes.